My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you are enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency. That's W-I-L-D-E dot agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. everyone, welcome back. I am your host, Patricia, and today I'm sitting down with Cantina Muntanos. She is the founder of On Adulting, which is a viral blog and community of over 23,000 millennials. You can find it online at www.onadulting.com. Welcome, Katina. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm excited to climb through. I love what you're doing. I love the ethos of your company and um, and kind of the respite that it offers your community. And I cannot wait to climb through all of that with you, in addition to some kind of new endeavors that you're doing on Daydreamer Space and, and things like that. But before we do that, I will read a bio on Katina for everyone listening. However, a quick roadmap and trajectory of today's podcast, it'll follow the same roadmap as all of these in this series. Namely, we will look at the academic background and early professional life um, of Katina, and then we'll turn our efforts towards unpacking her current endeavors that we just brought up on on adulting.com, Daydreamer Space, her book, and um, some podcasting that she's doing. And we'll climb through like the nuts and bolts of the when they were launched, all of the who, what, when, where, co-founders funding, all that stuff. And then we'll get into the ethos and the philosophy of why it was built and all of those things. And then we'll turn our attention towards the goals that Katina has for over the next three years between um, all of her different endeavors regarding um, the conversation that how that's changed with the current, you know, climate of the COVID pandemic, as well as um, scaling and expansion and branding and how all of those narratives kind of change given the current climate. And then we'll wrap everything up with advice that Katina may have for those of you who are looking to get involved in her current endeavors or perhaps emulate some of her success. A quick bio on Katina before we start peppering her with questions. Katina Muntanos is the founder of On Adulting, a viral blog and community of over 23,000 millennials who are figuring out how to navigate adulthood in a conscious, happy way. Um, She is an entrepreneur, writer, and mindset coach whose work has been featured on HuffPost, Fast Company, Teen Vogue, Elite Daily, Mind Body Green, and others. Katina started her career in data analytics at Goldman Sachs and most recently co-founded a brand new startup called Daydreamers to help everyday adults access creativity more often. Her first book on adulting will be hitting the shelves in fall 2020, following um, along at On Adulting or Join the Private 
OA Facebook group um, at this space. And I'll, I'll let her kind of drop into more of those so that you guys can find her communities and tap into her on across all of her social platforms. But Katina, before we drop into your companies and things like that, I'm hoping you can kind of give us the brief story and background of your academic and professional history so that we know um, kind of where you came from and who, where, what you garnered up until this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for that background. Um, so I started off my career, I guess, in college. I went to NYU Business School as an undergrad. Um, so I grew up in a family of small business owners. Um, they were immigrants from Greece, and they started off in the restaurant industry. So when I kind of aspired to my career, I imagined I would be doing something similar. I always kind of grew up working in my parents' restaurants. So when I got to Stern, um, I was kind of taken aback by this obsession really with going into the finance world. It was something that I never knew about. I didn't know what investment banking was. I didn't know why everyone was wearing suits all the time. Um, but even though I knew at the time that wasn't necessarily my true passion or my path. Um, I didn't really see any other paths ahead of me in school. So I kind of did what any high achieving kid would do and continued to push myself to be in the quote unquote most successful and best classes and um, do what probably most of your listeners have done. So I decided to major in finance and ended up being recruited by Goldman Sachs to work for them at an, as an internship as a junior and then um, work for them after school. So I uh, kind of signed my offer senior year, ready to head into the adult world um, and ended up realizing that I could graduate a semester early. And since I was taking out some loans to be in school and was on scholarship, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. This is an opportunity for me to um, not necessarily accrue any more money to be here. And instead of actually starting my job, like most people who graduated early did, I decided to actually backpack through Australia and New Zealand by myself for four months. Um, and I always look back to that period in time in my life as this hugely instrumental um, moment, essentially, where I really started understanding who I was and asking myself these big questions and actually seeing firsthand that people could be happy and fulfilled and connected outside of this typical path. So when I arrived back in school, um, or back kind of to graduation, after my travels, I kind of approached my adult career in a very different light. Mm -hmm. And ended up going to work at Goldman, but obviously went into it with a mindset um, that was quite different than I would have if I didn't spend time kind of getting to know myself in those early days. Yeah, it sounds like your travels might have formed some of the core tenets of the, your current endeavors. So that's yeah. cool. And I, that's always true, right? Like there's very few human experiences where you can't relate it to something, even if it isn't a conscious thought that you've experienced with. I'm mm -hmm. curious, um, how long did you stay at Goldman? I was there for a year and a half, maybe a little bit more. So and did you go straight I, from there into launching on adulting? No. So, well, I guess 
it's a little complicated. I, um, when I first graduated and started working, I started writing a book um, <laughs> that I was essentially this compilation of my experiences and reflections and why adulthood felt so difficult and so different than what I had imagined it to be. Um, and I had sent it out to my friends and family and they were like, this is cool, but very weird. <laughs> to your job um and I kind of put it off on the back burner for a little while and then um realized that I was you know deeply passionate about making impact in the world and that wasn't necessarily happening in my day-to-day -day at work so I started to raise my hands as they called it in the corporate world for other projects and opportunities that were coming up so um I actually helped create our first environmental sustainability team at Goldman um and really started diving into what social impact meant within a large organization and then from there ended up um getting another role at a philanthropic venture fund in new york and really kind of dove into what impact means in an organizational sense and when i did that i started writing on adulting at the same time as a blog and just a passion project yeah, well, it sounds like those core tenants there again, you know, considering how um, from what I now have learned what on adulting is and what the work that you do there, um, yeah. it kind of plays into considering um, society and, and systems from these other standpoints, like these other side endeavors from the raising the hand moment that you are saying you experienced. So yeah. let's turn towards um, unadultingnow.com. Let's first get into like some of the like... Um, cyber um, brick and mortar of it. So when was it founded? Was it you alone? Did you have co-founders and did you take funding? Yeah, so Unadulting truly started as, um, I guess, what we would call a side hustle. Um, so it really started as just a simple blog. I was writing on Medium um, and essentially, you know, realized that other people were relating to my words, so decided to take it into its own kind of website and you know it's interesting because i apply strategy to so much of my work that's what i'm often hired to do but when it comes to a lot of my own passion projects i wouldn't say i necessarily acted strategically in any sense of the word so i kept kind of just tuning in to what felt right um so after a couple of months i kind of took it on to its own platform and was still working my full-time job, but was continuing to pitch and get asked to write for a lot of these big publications. And I actually didn't use social media at all for the first year of writing. It was not something that felt connected to me. But when I realized that so many people were resonating with this message, I decided to take um, or reach people where they were. And from there, um, after kind of growing a social media presence after a couple of months i was able to take it full time so nice. it was a much more windy journey than so when you launched it it's interesting i don't hear a lot of millennials talk about you know not using social media in the very impetus uh, in the very beginning of the birth of their um, endeavors and it's interesting that you took you severed it away how long did it take when you reintroduced it to social media for you to hit the boost that you really are were looking for to take it into full time um it really only took a couple of months it's really interesting because i think a lot of times what i had seen was a lot of my peers were starting these social media accounts out of this um goal to like 
make it rich quick, right? They were mm-hmm. like, this is a really great career where I could basically do nothing and like make money, you know, sharing my life. And that was definitely not what I wanted to do. I had this amazing job that I really loved going into every day. It was challenging me mentally. And this was my like passion, essentially. So because of that, I was so deeply connected to the message that I was like, I don't care. I don't need to be on this platform that I don't even use myself. Um, And then when I took a step back and realized that the people that I was reaching and wanted to reach were living on social media, right? They were consuming this content that wasn't necessarily filling them up. And since I had spent about a year really honing my voice and my message off of the platform, um, when I got on it, I was so clear on what my mission was and what my voice was and what I was bringing to the table that it was really seamless for me to kind of build a community there, which um, might sound, you know, not real, but (laughs) that's kind of how it worked out in the first stages. Absolutely. So um, let's unpack a little bit of the services or what you provide when someone hits for our audience. If you go to onadulting.com, what's the first thing you're going to encounter? How is it all set up? And um, what kind of services do you provide from there? What is the information? And also, what's it, what is the company about? Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, the mission of onadulting is to help millennials and adults truly live happier, more conscious lives. So the purpose of it is to provide a lot of resources in order to do so. And the way that I do that is through writing, through downloadables, through um, my social media platform. And that's where you could kind of take, if you go to the On Adulting website, you could take any journey that you wish, right? That's completely free. Um, The second aspect of it is community. I think that the part that's really difficult about growing up is that you often feel really alone when you're starting to realize and kind of grow into who you are and ask these big questions. So um, before COVID-19, there were a couple of different in-person types of workshops, and I would often partner with brands that really align with the on-adulting mission to host these in-person um, and then even just kind of regular meetups with the on-adulting community in different cities. Um, and then lastly, I provide, and this is a newer offering, on adulting didn't start this way because it wasn't necessarily a business before, but um, I do provide coaching and consulting, which is something that I had been asked about quite often and didn't necessarily offer or feel um, like I had the space to offer until the past year and a half. So um, I now offer one-on-one coaching. I've done group coaching and um, then kind of one-off workshop-esque type of coaching. And that's been a really amazing journey for me because I truly love connecting with people and kind of seeing them grow in their own journey. Um, And yeah, it's been something that, as you said before, you love podcasting and can do it forever. I feel like no matter what happens, I will always have a few coaching clients that are truly like my mentees um, that I kind of help along their own journey. So are the people that you're training into doing what you do or are you training techniques that they implement in their life? So is it like a life coaching or are you training them into kind of implementing the onadulting.com axioms? 
Yeah, so it's completely personal. Um, I guess there's two different aspects of it. First is almost the like overarching big life question. So if you're completely confused, have no idea like what you want to do as a career, what you feel passionate about, these small everyday life decisions are really hard. That's one aspect. Um, and then the other one is more kind of business and brand coaching. So if you want to build a company that feels really connected to your life mission, don't know how to do it, don't know how to get it out into the world and still feel like you're staying authentic and true to yourself, um, that's another kind of part of what we might work on. So yeah, it's a lot of conscious thinking at the root of it. Do you have, do you find that your clients are in a specific industry or a specific, fit a specific profile or do they just kind of span across all industries and profiles? Um, I think that the root of it, people who I work with are connected to making some type of difference in the world. Um, so it might not be that they're like starting a nonprofit per se, but they are, you know, passionate about helping others in some way. Um, whether that might be through creating content like podcasting or maybe starting a startup in Silicon Valley, which is where I recently just moved back to New York from. Um, so it kind of runs the gamut, but I would say that's a profile. And then typically it's these women who are in their 20s and 30s and maybe even 40s, um, though there are a few men in there who kind of end up feeling connected to the mission. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. I like that. So yeah. what, um, given before we move into the daydreamer space, which is your newest endeavor, um, mm -hmm. I want to look at like the growth thus far. So on adulting, it sounds like you have kind of a soft launch because it went in and then it took a couple of months before it was your full-time endeavor. When do you acknowledge as it kind of the year that onadulting.com launched and what is the growth would you say been like since then? Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, now having gone through, which we'll get into launching a funded startup, it was completely different. Like this was, as I've said, a kind of a passion project where I was starting to really just share my own thoughts and to grew into something that I was able to have as a career. Um, something that I didn't mention was truly my goal of starting a blog in the first place was to write a book. Um, I always, that was one of my kind of biggest life goals and I knew I was called to that, but working in finance, I had no clue how that would start. Um, so I just started really sharing my musings on life in that way. And it really took on its own life of its own, right? So I would say around 2016 is when I started writing and then uh, and mid 2017 is when I took it full time. And winter of 2017 was when I launched the social media aspect of it. Um, and that's so, when it took on a life of its own. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would say the exponential growth really kind of started there. So yeah, it wasn't necessarily these like big planned launches, like a company per se that's growing to be, uh, you know, creating product and things like that. This is something that's more like 
close to my heart and something that yeah. is truly about creating community and connection. Did you always know that you were going to go for a partnership and did you look for sponsorship? How did you make this fiscally viable for you in the beginning as opposed to now? I mean, usually way leads on to way, but there's the initial kind of door opening to those financial endeavors. Totally. So since I was working in a pretty lucrative job while I was doing on adulting and staying up late and writing, I didn't think about finances from it at all. Um, and then I actually, my now fiance um, got a great role out in Silicon Valley. He was working in private equity at the time, and we both decided to move out there together. And um, because of that personal life move, I kind of had this big decision to make where I could start recruiting for jobs that I didn't necessarily want or look at the financial viability of unadulting. And at the time, I had already been contacted by um, aligned brands to do partnerships, whether it was, as I said, hosting events um, or posting on social media or kind of even doing some strategic consulting for them. So I already had some aspect of that going. And then when I moved out to the West Coast, I realized that I could apply that strategy mindset that I was helping my um, clients with that work every day, turn into my own um, business. So nice. That's kind of how it happened. Okay. Yeah. So let's look quickly at your book. Is it called On Adulting? Yeah. So we're still working on the final title, but that's the working like title called yeah on adulting um nice. yeah that's an overview i know that you know authors i come from a family of writers and playwrights and um i've i've met you know nuclear physicists that are less um jittery than an author with a yeah. book to launch <laughs> about to launch but um aside from that uh can you give us like an overview or like uh you know a, a good night kiss to like what it's about or anything like that just yeah. a brief synopsis Totally. So um, I'm really excited. It's essentially bringing on adulting the brand and resource to life in a longer form book. Um, and essentially, there are four parts. The first part is really creating a foundation with the reader about, you know, what we're all experiencing when we enter adulthood, what parts are difficult and hard, what parts are confusing and weird. Um, so part one is really just kind of getting on the same page as each other. Part two is my favorite. Um, it's a lot of research on why we became the way that we are, especially for the millennial and Gen Z generation. Um, and really looking into a lot of societal and cultural research around what trends or decisions or even um, kind of economic shifts have driven us to be raised you know, collectively in the way that we are and how we got to be making decisions that we do. So um, that's part two. And then part three and four are somewhat similar, but they're a lot more kind of instructional and reflective. And they're all about these big kind of life strategic shifts that you could start to think about, reflect on and incorporate to start living the life that you choose instead of one that's a negotiation. Um, and then the last part is more just about sustainable ways that you could start to make changes right now instead of kind of waiting for this big 
sign to show up at your doorstep. Yeah. And well, I, I like what you're doing, the business and then the book, it sounds like um, it, ha- it addresses a narrative and um, you're kind of acknowledging a lot of things, I imagine, terms and things like that. I'm wondering how much do you identify with the labels and titles and stereotypes, both good and bad, that have been assigned to millennials? You know, mm-hmm. like, do you, does your book address like, here's the stereotype, here's the belief, here's this, and here's possibly how it or why it is? Or do you yes. dispel some of them? How do you approach that? Yeah, I think that's truly what the second part is all about. I mean, I think that um, stereotypes are always in place for some reason, right? There is some truth to them. But I think that there's a lot of misconception around millennials as a generation because we Um, And I definitely relate to a lot of these experiences and really what drove me to kind of start to reflect on them is that I think we are making a lot of change in systems that have existed in a certain way for a long time. And I think every generation does that, right? But there are certain reasons why we are approaching these systems with a mindset of kind of inclusivity but also potentially perceived as um, whatever bad negative stereotype you might bring up, like laziness, entitlement, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's all for the better. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever um, address in any of your, or are you planning to in the future, the the subsequent generations that have come up after you and and some of the differences like, you know, Gen Z, and um, depends on what the I generation or whatever they're going to be labeled to as next. People are now calling it yeah. the Corona generation. I was like, don't do that. Don't call them that. That's awful. Just call them the I generation, like do something else. But at very least we know we have Gen Z. Do you ever have like a dialogue between like subsequent, because it, you have all of this very reflective, you know, um, conversation yeah. and rhetoric between yourself and your perceptions as to what life is and and for you and your peers but is that ever going to extend to the coming up after you generation yeah it's a great question i personally at this point haven't necessarily done um a ton of work on comparison between us and gen z us meaning millennials um but in the book i do talk a little bit about some ways that we're similar um and some kind of big life shifts that will be guiding all of us after the millennial generation. Um, But it's a great point. I, yeah, I'm very interested in kind of big cultural changes that impact how we view the world. So I am too. And one of the things I adore most about the millennial generation, there's a a billion, um, I think in every generation there's growing, but the inclusivity you know, into the theories driven and um, some of the the lifestyle mannerisms and things like that. I think there's always a tone of inclusivity and and consideration about um, ramifications and things of that nature that I hope include, you know, the the next generation coming up. I think that we needed more of that mindset in previous generations, this idea that we are all here, you know, we're all involved in this um, together. Um, Well, that's exciting. Everyone, it's it's supposed to be launching in the fall. So keep your eye out for if the working title is on adulting, it's going to be something around that, but people should research it. At very least your name as an author, it's going to pull up, but that'll be exciting when it drops. We will definitely shout it on our social. 
Um, Thank and now, you. I want to turn really quickly. We're running out of time, but I want to turn the attention over to daydreamer space. And I have to say, I got on, and as part of my research, um, I looked yeah. at the um, Vimeo clip that you and your your co-founder. I'm not sure who it is with you, and um, it was really cool. It was very fun. It reminded me of a, a Y Combinator pitch like video. Um, I've been privy to help yeah. like judge some of those in the past. And so um, yeah. I like the authenticity. I thought it was really cool. Um, so that on the outset as a, from, from one film yeah. to another. Um, but I also, the, the concept at first I was like, this is kind of darling. But as I started to ruminate with it, I was like, actually it's kind of necessary. This is really kind of cool. And I think a lot of people could just yeah. uh, approach it as like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like a mental playground yeah. for adults. But I hope that you can just unpack it really briefly for everyone listening and talk about um, like some of the core tenets. I know you're in the infancy stage with it, but if you can kind of unpack yeah. it really quickly for people, that'd be awesome. Yeah, totally. So Daydreamers is my new company that I co-founded actually with my fiance. Um, so we kind of the synopsis of it quickly is that we are truly about redefining how we all spend our free time and making it cool to have hobbies again. So really tapping into that creativity that we had as kids that we, you know, thought about so often, but oftentimes sees a nosedive as we enter adulthood. Um, and the reason that we came up with it is because Dupi, my co-founder, and I um, often found ourselves after our intense days at work sitting on our couch and finding ourselves scrolling through our phone, watching Netflix, doing the yeah. same thing every single night and feeling really drained and realized that we had made it. We had these great jobs that we loved. We, you know, were lucky enough to live in spaces that we loved, but we were like, is this it? was all you know we do and when we started to do research about how we spend our free time we realized that um you know over 80 percent of people look at their phones from the, within five minutes of waking up and it's not just that technology is the enemy but it's really that we can create these habits throughout our day that actually help us feel good because the research says that so many of us are becoming disconnected tired sick and lonely so um we kind of were creating the antithesis of that in our original purpose as we were kind of fundraising and creating our strategy was to create physical locations for people to um, be creative just as you would a gym. So there would be a bunch of different creative mediums. Anyone, no matter if you picked up a paintbrush when you were five or you kind of tap into it every day, could come connect with others and also continue to learn and experiment and grow. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, since we launched right before um, the coronavirus, <laughs> a couple of weeks before, uh, we've shifted our strategy quite a bit, but we are really deeply passionate and connected about to our mission of helping people live longer and happier lives through being more creative in their everyday. Yeah. And I mean, every time, you know, there's a pivot to having a virtual experience to a company, I don't think it always benefits, but I definitely think that one of those key benefits is 
pushing something past a, a limitation that wouldn't have normally been looked at, you know? And so okay. moving that effort into what it looks like virtually or anything else is also very inclusive. You can Im include yeah. people in Greece, you know, that wouldn't normally be hanging yeah. out in your spaces and things like that. So I think it, it's a cool aspect. Um, and I really do appreciate, I agree with what you have said. Um, and so does obviously all the scientific literature, but you know, people are becoming ill and they're making themselves more ill by not having some type of a release um, other than, you know, something yeah. unhealthy like alcohol, you know, yeah. <laughs> so this concept yeah. that everyone needs. I think the only thing that's really accepted right now is that people agree that you should try to eat healthy and go to the gym. But I think that art for, and this is coming from an art historian, but for it has been left out of the conversation for so long, people forget what it does to the brain and the amount of, you know, um, creativity and, and movement. And when I say art, I mean everything. So everything yeah. that your endeavor is involving, but I agree. And I think it will become the next, I truly believe as we start to analyze from the pandemic and things like that, what we need for health in our lives, this yeah. moment for creativity and um, stretching parts of the brain that you hadn't gotten into and putting the cell phone down and doing all of that um, will become yeah. crucial. So Daydreamers um, it has a website up right now, right? What is it? Yes, it's daydreamerspace.com. Cool. And I did hit it and it is explanative. I like the, um, you've got a great tone with um, really like your succinct explanation as to what, yeah. it, what it's meant to do. And I think people should hit it just to kind of really bring it into, like I said, I, I, I sat and marinated kind of with the concept of it and was like, no, actually I really subscribe to this. At yeah. first I thought it was cute and interesting. And then I was like, wait a second. So I think that people should hit it and have that dialogue and then um, reach out to you and, and, you know, and start that dialogue furthering. I think it's a good idea. I want to wrap up with asking you, I know that it's changed for everyone and continues to change on a daily basis. However, I wanted to ask you what you think um, some of the changes or not even the changes, but the goals that you have for the next one to three years regarding both of your endeavors on adulting and daydreamer space um, and whether or not those have changed dialogue, you know, but if you do one to three year goals, I imagine coming from finance, you'd have something like that going on in your yeah. own life. But yeah. um, what are they on the horizon for you right now? Yeah, so I actually just shared publicly that I just accepted a master's program at Columbia um, nice. with a focus on, it's a clinical psychology focus program with a focus on mind-body connection. Um, so I'm really excited to be starting that in the fall. Um, and I think for me, that is really just, evolving all of the conversations that I've been having for the past couple of years. You know, obviously finance and business is so important to me as kind of a foundation, but I've been really interested in diving more into the science and research behind why we are the way we are um, and how we could continue to be our best selves. Um, so that's a huge goal for me that's becoming realized and will kind of take place over the next two years regardless of if it's virtual or not um and i hope that through that i'm able to continue to kind of be um able to speak on these topics in a relatable way but also with the background and knowledge that i'll gain through this program and through a lot of the experiences that i'll have so um yeah. that's a huge goal for me and hopefully writing more books <laughs> I don't know. yeah it sounds like it yeah. I, it's i mean you know book writers need to love it and you do so yeah. it sounds fantastic yeah. 
Uh, well, that's a great goal. And it's an, it's an awesome yeah. department. It sounds like it's going to accompany all of your past um, endeavors beautifully. Yeah. I'm wondering if you, um, if you ran into somebody who is um, just getting ready, they said they've got this personal site going and they're not doing it to become, you know, some type of a, a lifestyle influencer or anything else. And she was just getting started. It was a young female or female identified non-binary individual. And they came up to you and said, listen, got all this experience. I'm doing um, a career I love, but it's on a completely different subject and I'm starting these things out. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give her knowing what you know now from before you started on adulting? Mm, that's a great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is this idea of getting connected to your North Star is what I call it, but obviously there are many other ways that you could describe it, your personal mission statement, your passion, whatever it is. Um, I find it really helpful, that logical side of my brain, knowing that I have a sentence that is really guiding me on every decision that I make. So for me, it comes back to almost that exact purpose of unadulting, but it's helping millennials navigate adulthood in a conscious, happy, and healthy way. Um, so every decision that I make in my life, and I would imagine this human being could apply to their own lives, um, is to really tap into and understand what that North Star is. And then use it as a barometer if you're going in a direction that feels good or not. Um, so I think that's the number one piece of advice. I think number two, which, you know, some people might think is silly, but I think have fun. <laughs> um, it's so easy to forget. And to me, the most impactful decisions that I've made always came from a place when I was feeling light and free and yeah. fun. Um, so I think as millennials and Gen Z, we have been trained to collect trophies um, and, you know, keep climbing these ladders. But that's a really important piece of advice. Um, the third piece of advice. Hmm. I think it, there's something to be said about um, continuing to be curious with yourself and really like set aside time, whether it's every day or every week or every month to just get curious about the decisions that you're making. Um, I think a lot of times, at least what I experienced when I was younger was getting really frustrated at myself or judging myself for doing something because, um, you know, it felt like I should in the moment and those should started to pile on. And that's really where what was difficult for me. But yeah. when I started approaching it with a curious mind instead, I found that I got so much more information out of it and was able to really drive home um, a connected or, you know, decision that helped me um, hopefully impact as many people as possible. So nice. Yeah. I like that. So I've got um, getting connected with your North Star uh, have fun and stay curious about you. Those yeah. are cool. I really like those. I hope they're, I hope they're addressed in your book because those are fantastic. Yes, I feel like those are each are. chapters unto themselves. Yes. So they I'm hoping that, that we get more on that. <laughs> well, we are all out of time, Katina, but I want to say thank you so much for taking the moment today to share your um, information and all of your stuff and um, congratulations on your new program and best yeah. of luck. 
Thank you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. For everyone who's been listening, we've been talking to Katina Muntanos. You can contact her or look at all of the endeavors we've been talking about on www.onadulting.com as well as www.daydreamerspace.com. Um, thank you for listening for everyone out there. And until we talk again next time, remember to always bet on yourself. Slumchin. Thank you.